Support for Kansas City Today comes from Cleveland University, Kansas City. From its roots as a chiropractic college to new degree programs in health sciences, CUKC is educating healthcare professionals focused on next-level health. Learn more at cleveland.edu slash impact. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Ujia Dean. Today is Friday, September 9th. Coming up, the social media site Kiwi Farms, known for harassing transgender people, is no longer easily accessible on the internet. We'll hear from a Kansas City mother who says the site harassed her child and their entire family. But first, some headlines. The first supply of bivalent COVID-19 booster shots are now available in Kansas City, and more are on the way. KCUR's Noah Taborda reports. Many large-chain pharmacies like CVS and Hy-Vee already offer appointments for the Pfizer booster to those 12 and older and the Moderna shot to those 18 and older. County health departments in Missouri and Kansas anticipate shipments next week and will offer appointments at that time. The recently approved shots protect against the most recent subvariants of the Omicron strain and the original version of the virus, leading the CDC to discontinue authorization of the initial booster shots for those 12 and older. Children 5 to 11 years of age are not yet eligible for the updated booster. A Missouri judge has ordered the closure of a Christian reform school in Stockton, whose staff has been accused of sexually and physically abusing students. KCUR's Dan Margulies reports. The judge issued the order against Agape Boarding School after the Missouri Attorney General's Office and the Department of Social Services petitioned for it to be shut down. The department found that a staff member had physically abused a child. The judge, however, put his order on hold pending a hearing on Monday to determine whether the school terminated the staff member. Cedar County Prosecuting Attorney Ty Gaither has pursued only a fraction of the 65 criminal counts against 22 staff members that Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt recommended as a result of an investigation by his office. A Kansas City, Kansas police officer faces domestic violence-related felony charges. Deotis Brown is charged in Wyandotte County with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon and aggravated intimidation of a witness or victim stemming from an incident in February. He also faces three domestic assault charges in Jackson County for allegedly assaulting his girlfriend last Saturday. KCKPD Chief Carl Oakman said a third of homicides in Kansas City, Kansas are related to domestic violence. This is an example that um, this being an officer, we understand that no one's immune to domestic violence. Brown has been with the department since 2017. He's currently in the Wyandotte County Jail. Oakman said the department was made aware of the February incident only after charges were filed in Jackson County about the assault earlier this month. A judge has ruled that former Missouri Governor Eric Greitens did not commit a pattern of domestic violence. The Associated Press reports the Missouri judge also ruled that the bitter child custody case between Greitens and his ex-wife Sheena Greitens should be moved to Texas because that's where their two sons live and to protect them from media attention. In court documents throughout the custody battle, Sheena Greitens has accused her ex-husband of physical abuse. Eric Greitens has denied the allegations. He was recently a leading Republican candidate for the U.S. Senate in Missouri, but lost the primary to State Attorney General Eric Schmidt.
This week, notorious web forum Kiwi Farms was effectively taken offline when security company Cloudflare decided to stop protecting the site from online attacks. Kiwi Farms was known for launching organized harassment and stalking campaigns against transgender people around the world. Now that Cloudflare has pulled its services and the site has been removed from the internet archive, it's almost impossible to access. Kiwi Farms users began harassing a Kansas City family years ago after their child became the first trans person to appear on the cover of National Geographic. KCUR's Steve Kraske spoke to mother Debbie Jackson about how that affected her child and her family. Here's their conversation edited for time. Let's start at the beginning of your story here and how you and Avery found yourself to be targets of Kiwi Farms. It begins after this photograph of Avery appeared on the cover of National Geographic. Why was Avery in the cover of National Geographic? Um, I don't know who recommended us, but uh, they were doing a story about nine-year-olds around the globe. And they wanted to um, photograph and interview 89-year-olds and get their perspective. It's, it's the change of being a really young child um, to starting to have more opinions of your own and see the world differently as you get into the double digit years looking globally at what different cultures teach. So we thought it's a cool opportunity to be photographed for a really awesome magazine, but the odds of even being included in the story were pretty slim. Um, apparently, Avery said some really profound things and had a fierce looking photo. And um, at the time, I remember the photographer saying, oh, that's a cover image if I've ever seen one. And I just thought, oh, that's flattering. You know, way to make a kid who's kind of nervous feel good. Um, a few months later, they called us up and said, hey, you're already a public family, right? You're doing this advocacy thing. And I'm like, yeah, we, we do it quite a bit. And um, they said, great, because we've put Avery on the cover. And we should point out that Avery was the first transgender individual to appear on the cover of National Geographic, and that was noteworthy. That we know of. Mm -hmm. I always like to say that. Trans okay. people are everywhere. We don't know what people identified as over the you know 100-year history of the magazine. And so then after this, uh, Avery's on the cover, and then trouble starts. Uh, Internet trolls doxed you. First of all, what does it mean to be doxxed? What happened in your case? Um, in our case, it was it was a weekend of a winter ice storm here, and all of a sudden I had a Google alert, and it uh, was popping up for both of our names. And um, it's this website that I had never heard of, and they're sitting there posting um, where we were born, where we were married, our our you know wedding date information from public records, um, address of the house, my cell phone number. Um, where my husband's office was, and um, then the conversation starts, and they start trying to dig in and, and paint a picture of you being a horrible person. Um, and they're not even accurate in a lot of what they're doing. They're just guessing. They're trying to be online sleuths. So, for instance, um, there was a woman named Debbie Jackson who was in another state who had cancer and had a GoFundMe to help pay some of her costs. And there's a photo of her and her child um, in the photo on the GoFundMe page that looks absolutely nothing like us. And they decided that that was me and that I was trying to scam people out of money and pretend that I have cancer. So they ended up harassing her to the point that she had 
had to take mm. down her own GoFundMe page. So they really don't care. They, they kind of put things out with a shotgun blast, just hoping something sticks. And then over time, they hope that you notice and that somehow uh, you will file a cease and desist or something to try to get the information down. And they use their, you know, it's online freedom, it's free information concept to come back and then scan those documents in and upload them and add them to threads and say, oh, looks like we got their address verified. They've they've put it in a court document for us. And so in your case, there were things like cars driving slowly by your house in the middle of the night and these intimidation tactics that simply wouldn't stop. Right. One hundred percent. Cars driving by, uh, cars parked in front of our house, just kind of watching for a little while. Um, this got our neighbors upset, too, so it wasn't just us. Our neighbors would go out and try to talk to people. Um, there were a couple of times that a car just didn't leave and uh, was sitting there just idling, and my husband would go out the door, and as soon as they would see him, they would take off driving really quickly. Um, he lives. He, he works in a, in a very nondescript office setting, and he started seeing people taking photos outside of his office of the front door and of the signage. And uh, usually they had out-of-state plates or they were rental cars. I mean, it's just really weird things that you wouldn't think people would have enough time on their hands to bother doing. And apparently this is because uh, Avery was on the cover of National Geographic and they is transgender, right? I mean, that's yes. that's what we're talking about here. Yes. Um, Kiwi Farms was started essentially to make fun of autistic people and transgender people. Their purpose was um, to torment people. You wound up talking to the FBI. What did the Bureau advise? To take note of everything, to do as many screenshots and document things as possible for the moment that we saw anything escalating so we could take it to them. Um, the problem is people know what they're doing and they know that how far they can push something before something sounds like it's an imminent threat. So law enforcement was a little bit stuck because the, the person who owned the URL lived in one state, but he registered the URL in a different state. The hosting was done in a different state. All the different pieces of the puzzle were in different locations, so they didn't know who had jurisdiction. And... When they um, would post the information, I could take all of the printouts to them and they're like, well, until we know like they're on their way with a gun, it's hard for us to say something because it's it's speech at that point. It's not something that we can take as a credible threat. So they know just where to toe the line. And the problem is the people who are doing the doxing and posting that information might not have any violent tendencies. To them, it is a game. It is just online hunting and sleuthing. But you don't know who else is reading that information and what their intentions would be. Um, Even though Kiwi Farm supposedly is dead in the water, you're saying some of this stuff is still going on. Yeah. And it's, I, been, it's been how long now? Almost six years. Six years. Mm -hmm. And what's happening today? Um, well, today they're kind of floating around from URL to URL, server to server. Um, no one is willing to take the risk to keep them on. 
Um, so they are literally falling apart, and there are fewer people who know how to find it. Only people who have been on there as members can get an update to know which URL to go to next. So um, wow. they're still trying to be active, but we do know that where they are is not going to be indexed on Google. Um, the archiving websites are not showing any of their URLs in their archives anymore. So even all of that is a huge win and gives a measure of safety to the thousands of victims. How did all this affect Avery? Who oh. Today is how old, by the way? Uh, 15. 15, okay. Yeah. Um, it was hard. You know, when kids are so young, we were definitely always trying to protect our children from knowing all of the things that were going on. But the stress and, and intensity of things was something that it was hard for them to miss. Um, they were proud of the magazine cover at first and proud of what it was doing and starting conversations. And we would get amazing, amazing messages from people saying, this helped me come out to my partner or this, my grandparents finally understood me and, and switched pronouns for me. Thank you so much. So it was a real point of pride. But after this, Avery said, you know, this has kind of ruined my life and was really angry for quite a while. Um, didn't want anything to do with being trans for a while used to love to go to pride events and, and have rainbow everything and started kind of hiding themselves and, and growing out the hair, loved to have colored hair, decided that that made them too much of an obvious person in public anymore, didn't want to be recognized, um, just wanted to try to pretend that nothing had ever happened. And the FBI, how effective has it been? Has it had much success? I think the biggest problem is that cyber crimes and cyber harassment and bullying laws are not where we need them to be. They have absolutely not caught up with the technology, and I don't think most of our legislators are young enough to be on the Internet enough to get this and to really make this a priority. The good thing, though, is that seeing everything that happened to Clara, the person at the center of this who started this campaign to get the websites taken down, is getting people to take more notice. And for the longest time, we didn't want to say the name out loud. We didn't want to tell people about them so that more people could go and find them. But right now, there's enough momentum behind it that I think we'll probably be able to see law enforcement hopefully take something seriously. Is there a change in the law that even I could understand that you'd like to see take place here? Honestly, you know, putting people's information out there um, when they have requested that it not be out there. I, I understand digging up public records, but when the comment thread clearly starts putting um, intimidation and, and, and comments about violence, like a, a, a simple comment that they made of, now we know Debbie has been here and has read these threads, so we can now push her to suicide. Um, that kind of thing tells you that they're not doing it just as a matter of free speech, that they're not out there just to laugh at people anymore, um, that there's something much darker going on. And I wish that alone would be enough to go in and get um, get some of these things taken care of. If somebody listening to this wants to be helpful, how can they do that? What would you recommend? Uh, honestly, I think standing up for trans people and trans people's rights and just not letting this kind of bullying go um, completely. But again, um, I think contacting legislators, letting them know that this is the kind of story that has been ignored for so long and that they really need to start taking things seriously. That was Debbie Jackson and KCUR's Steve Kraske. You can hear their entire conversation from up to date on KCUR.org.
This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Ujia Dean. This podcast is produced by Byron Love, Trevor Grandin, and KCUR Studios. It's edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. You can find more local news from Kansas City's NPR station at kcur.org. On Monday, we'll look into why there are so many traffic deaths in Kansas City. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week. Kansas City Today keeps you on top of what's going on across the metro and region every weekday. I'm Reginald David. The Kansas City Today podcast often uses voices from KCUR's daily talk show, Up To Date, that I help produce. To hear some of these conversations in full, subscribe to the Up To Date podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.